Salon should be a place that you can call home. In fact, I grew up in the background of my mother's salon. She was a stylist and I know firsthand how much a salon can indeed become a home. With the stressors of the world today, there should be no reason why you stay someplace you don't feel comfortable, supported, and loved. Enter JCPenney Salon. JCPenney salons have it all. Competitive pay plans, flexible schedules, medical benefits, support systems, ongoing education, and so much more. From Georgia to California, JCPenney salons are everywhere around the country, and there's bound to be one near you. Join the JCPenney salon family today. Head to jobs.jcp.com or the link in the show notes to apply today. Some benefits are available for master stylists and eligible JCPenney salon associates only. Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by The Tees. So we're going to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty today. Let's. We're going to talk about why men. Drum roll. Yep. You can, you, you can roll your R's. That's right. You're very, you're guess. Um, what is the real reason, do we believe, why men are so secretive about hair transplants? Our friends over at Refinery29 did a great article about this secret that's out there. I mean, you know, AJ of the Backstreet Boys did it, right? Way back when. <laughs> Those plugs. You're seeing the receding hairlines are now disappearing mm-hmm. and they're coming back into luscious quaffs. Mm-hmm. So is it a taboo topic? I believe it shouldn't. And that's why we're going to be talking about it today on the pod. Yeah. I mean, as a guy, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sensitive around hair loss and hair thinning. I feel like it's not a secret maybe it is um i'm not contemplating but i'm not not mm-hmm. and i feel like this article was i don't know sort of illuminating to me because i hadn't really considered some of the things right um because i liken it you know where you're talking off pod to like any other sort of health problem like i just i if you want to fix it like go ahead and fix it like i don't you know no shame no but i know that that's not true for everyone so do you want to talk a little bit about that Yeah. So it it was noting that hair transplants are the most common cosmetic procedure for men and male identifying people in the world, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. So you've got male pattern baldness, right? So they were likening it in this article to like, you might be born with abs and I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. And I go to the gym to work on them because it's a feature and something that I want on my body or to represent me. So it was a Chicago-based hair transplant surgeon, William Gates, that actually talked a little bit about it. And that it is a a trend right now and a trend that it is something that is not secretive. And we want to just kind of put that out there. Yeah. I mean, I, for one, follow an influencer out of Mexico City who is sort of known for his hair. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it was like thinning and he went ahead and got implants and has been really, really vocal about documenting the process to like remove stigma, which I think is really cool and compelling. Like I've enjoyed it. It's a little gruesome. Is it? Truthfully, maybe that's why people are secretive. Like Mm -hmm. it's not non-invasive. Like we're removing hair follicles from the back of the head and transplanting to the front. Like it... There's blood on your head like that. Maybe people are not super stoked about. Right. But I mean, I just find the whole thing to be fascinating, honestly. Um, And the results that people are getting, I mean, like that it's successful to the extent that it is like is also, I think, really interesting and not something to shy away from. 
I agree. So like your social influencer, right? There's mm-hmm. people like that out there now, internet smart, as they say, interested in even early prevention. So mm-hmm. this article talked about, you know, men before their wedding, wanting to have their hairline a little bit fuller yeah. and think of all the things that I did before my wedding to feel your best on that day. So we're breaking it down here that men, it's not something to shy away from. No. If you want to do it, we say do it. Yeah, why not? Put up. <laughs> All right. On our last episode, we talked with Nick Stenson, an experienced beauty executive, as well as a hands-on beauty creator. He serves as the senior vice president of store and services operations for Ulta Beauty, where he leads a diverse corporate team across seven business units, oversees trend innovation for hair, skin, brow, and makeup, and sets the strategic course for services and education. That's a mouthful. Yikes. I bet his calendar's full. (laughs) (laughs) He he first joined Ulta Beauty in 2016 as the company's first chief artistic director and soon assembled and continues to lead the Ulta Beauty Pro Team, the salon industry's first ongoing collaboration of individual brand-affiliated artists, a second-generation hairstylist, and long-standing partner with L'Oreal USA as an educator, brand ambassador, celebrity stylist, and influencer, Stinson has curiously created... And Lee needs Nick Stenson Beauty. Nick Stenson Beauty is where nature meets luxury. And we love that. We're excited for him and to see the products out there in the wild now. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Add Read the Tees and send in questions to volumeupatthetees.com. Do it. This week, we're talking with Alfredo Lewis. Alfredo is a licensed professional and educator with over 20 years experience. He's one of the most celebrated artists in the industry and has had a sensational career as a celebrity hairstylist, master colorist, brand ambassador, and business executive. He's living proof that the possibilities of being a hairstylist are endless, and his mission is to share his secrets to success so that fellow artists around the world can achieve their dreams. Alfredo was trained at the prestigious L'Oreal Academy in New York City and specializes in balayage, blonding, and advanced coloring. He's also built a social media presence with over 800,000 followers on Instagram and TikTok. Alfredo has taught sold-out classes on almost every continent across the globe, including North and South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. His passion is supporting fellow hairstylists and sharing his love for the industry through community. You don't want to miss this conversation. It's a great one. Another thing is we round into the holiday season. I mean, we know that our pros are busy, 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 right? Busy. And I want to talk about tipping and tipping going into the holiday or all year round, right? Mm -hmm. There was an article on distractify.com and there appears to be a TikTok debate on how much and or if you should tip your hairstylist. So we're going to... If. Right? A moment of yes. Pause, shall we? Wow. Wow. So they were arguing over what is the perfect amount to tip your hairstylist. So one woman, TikTok user, midlife vlogger asked a question Mm -hmm. that many of us maybe are afraid to ask. I mean, I'm not because I feel like I know the answer. Um, But are we supposed to tip our hairstylist? And she said, I honestly don't know the answer. And Uh, it was really interesting because there were some more seasoned stylists like in the thread on Reddit that it continued into talking about like, I feel like stylists these days, the younger generation is charging too much. The prices are exorbitant. We shouldn't tip them. And I thought, well, hey, back that up a second, right? Are we just charging our worth now? Hmm? Hmm. Yeah. What's your reaction on that? Okay. So I will say that I've always understood that you are supposed to tip. And I remember distinctively, like as a child, Hmm. after getting my haircut, 
tipping the hairstylist and like that being a thing that my parents would like give me oh, cash and I would be like great does it and like the style would be like oh thank you yes. like all like I never it would never occur to me that it wouldn't be right something to tip for I think the argument was you know with with individual like business owners so let's say you mm-hmm. are a booth renter right yep it's just you yourself and I you are the business owner mm-hmm. is all of the dollars minus you know what we need for product and all of those things mm-hmm. going to that individual anyway and then you're giving on top of that and i mean the answer is yes <laughs> yeah the answer is yes i mean I'm, I'm like nodding it's a service business right yeah of course yeah i go to a salon space renter at the moment okay and know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. he's very transparent around his pricing but i still tip so do i because that's the cost of the hair cut. I mean, I feel like I'm a really good tipper. Same. Like a really good tipper because I'm not going to be that gal that walks out after three or four hours in the chair mm-hmm. and gives a measly 10, 15, maybe even 20. I give more than that. Oh, wow. Percent. I do. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's, I mean, we got to elevate the industry and I'm here to do it, you know, percentage at a time. Single-handedly. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I I just legitimately, it's blowing my brain a little bit that it wouldn't occur to someone that they would need to. I I certainly understand like it can be exorbitant, quote unquote, to your point, people are charging their actual value worth, which we love to see and we commend and we encourage. But yeah, like you got to tip on top of that. Yeah. We need to show the love because we want to keep these pros in our industry. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm curious now. Mm. So listeners, well, what's your policy? Are you are you okay with not getting tipped? Mm. Have you been in a situation where you expected to be tipped, but then didn't? I, I honestly would like to hear about it from the pros. Or do you build an extra percentage mm-hmm. point, 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 <laughs> however many points into the service and say, no, a tip's needed because you are covering mm-hmm. what you feel is a, is a just price for your services and tip combined yeah i don't know we want to hear it all right now let's talk about things that are trending on our site our editorial team has been hard at work this week just like every week uncovering industry news looking into trends and diving into brands you don't know but you should and here are some of our favorite headlines first up the title Mm -hmm. what you need to know about targaryen blonde hair inspired by hbo's house of dragons unless you've been living under a rock the past few months You've likely seen or heard of House of Dragons. If you didn't see that whole meme with the Negroni Spagliato with the, you know, Mm -hmm. you you really truly are. (laughs) We can't help you. Um, House of Dragons has also been the root. See what we did there? Mm, And that's nice. Of a new hair trend that's taken (laughs) over TikTok, Targaryen Blonde. While this icy blonde hue is undoubtedly gorgeous and wigs on the show Mm -hmm. um there are some things to keep in mind before you decide to go in with that bleach head to the tees.com to learn everything you need to know about the latest color trend which has been spotted on a-listers like megan fox again wearing wigs Mm -hmm. but go to the tees.com see what we're talking about kelly the question Mm -hmm. i know you would not do this it's not for you it's not on the cards but the question is should I oh, go Targaryen Blonde? I didn't know you were going there. I did. And the answer is, hell yes. We just talked about this, how I was mm-hmm. wondering when mm-hmm. some new color or lightener or something was going to make yep. an appearance. And yep. I think it's time. This is the opening. 
Uh, so we're going to get into it. I was just at the <laughs> Texture versus Race Summit and saw a demo from a little brand called Blonde Solutions, oh. which specializes in nine levels of lift. It's black owned. I love that. It's new to market. A very exciting product. The results that I was seeing were out of this world. Cool. And I feel like I might try it out. Okay. So anyway, spoiler, um, stay tuned, everybody. Um, let's get into the next article. All right. All right, Cosmoprof pairs with Salon HQ to simplify Salon storefronts. Cosmoprof has made a name in the salon industry for being the leading retailer that carries professional salon products. Now they've announced that they will be partnering with e-commerce platform Salon HQ in order to create a platform that lets stylists create their very own online storefronts. When Cosmoprof noticed a lack of tools for stylists to take online entrepreneurial endeavors, they quickly got to work on building a free-for-stylist e-commerce platform. The service is customizable, allowing those who use it to really feel good about their storefronts. Head to thetees.com to learn more about this. Kelly, how did it take this long? I'm not sure. And I would like to dig a bit deeper to understand, is this the first to the market? Because I mean, certainly with Cosmoprof, you know, our team over at Sally Beauty Holdings, mm -hmm. they're they're always trying to push the industry forward. And kudos to them for finding a platform for our industry allowing our pros to make more money. Absolutely. To make selling retail easier. So it took a hot minute, but we're here and we're here for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here for some competition to <laughs> Amazon. Um, we'd love to see the sort of tried and true distributors making some changes to, to stay relevant in this space yeah. and to be competitive because, mm -hmm. you know, Bezos has enough money. Indeed. He does. <laughs> All right. And speaking of... The Texture versus Race Summit, there's an article on thetease.com. I wrote it, and this is called The Five TVR Summit Rules of Engagement That Are Perfect for Everyday Life, because we know that not everybody can get out to the summit. Um, last week was the fourth annual Texture versus Race Summit, founded by hairstylist and DEI consultant to brands Kia Neal. With the mission of tackling the industry's longstanding textural discrimination problem and teaching stylists that hair is a fabric everyone can work with, the TDR Summit 2022 didn't shy away from sensitive topics. Kia opened with people don't change, they choose, and an invitation to attendees to choose to do the work of building a salon professional industry that's more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Head to thetees.com to learn those rules, but Kelly and I are going to get into it. Kelly, there's five. Mm -hmm. Which of them are you bringing into your everyday life? Okay, my number one out of the five is listen before speaking. And I think that that's something that I personally need to improve upon. Mm, I do. Mm. And so I think being more cognizant of hearing all the opinions in the room and deciphering the information and really being open to listening. Mm -hmm. And perhaps, you know, in collaborative environments, that's just a great no brainer to start with, right? And then, you know, kind of along with that is being vulnerable. Mm. So I think vulnerability and curiosity in any type of business are two leading factors to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like, can we go over this again? Or I'm going to try it. And if I fail, I'm going to fail, but I'm going to try again. So those are my two. Listen before speaking and being vulnerable. I love that. So much more to say about TVR. Um, we've got lots of coverage on our socials, and you will be seeing it on thetease.com throughout the coming weeks. Um, and we're hoping to have Kia back to talk about it because it was so impactful. Um, and yeah, you're right. These rules, easily applicable in lots of situations, not just within the salon professional context, although especially important there. Agree. As always, 
so much going on at thetease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, my interview with Alfredo Lewis, a licensed pro educator with over 20 years experience. This is one you're not going to want to miss. Alfredo Lewis is a licensed professional and educator with over 20 years experience. He is one of the most celebrated artists in the industry and has had a sensational career as a celebrity hairstylist, master colorist, brand ambassador, and business executive. We love that. All the, all the facets. He is, a, he is living proof that the possibilities of being a hairstylist are endless. And his mission is to share his secrets to success so that fellow artists around the world can also achieve their dreams. Alfredo was trained at the prestigious L'Oreal Academy in New York City and specializes in balayage, blonding, and advanced coloring. He has also built a social media presence with over 800,000 followers. Dang. On Instagram and TikTok, Alfredo has taught sold-out classes in almost every continent around the globe, including North America, South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. His passion is supporting fellow hairstylists and sharing his love for the industry through community. Alfredo, you are here. We've met your dog in the background. We could not be more pleased to have you both on Volume Up by the T's. Kelly, it's so nice to be here with you. I know the dog, my <laughs> my baby is outside the door just so because he's quite rambunctious. So, but it's great to be with you all. Thank you for having me. You got it. So we we already offline talked a little bit about the weather. So we got that out of the way. But you know what? We're gonna do, we want to talk about you. We want to hear all about it. And your accolades certainly speak for themselves, but tell us, let's heal it back to the beginning. Tell us about tell us about the beginning, your journey in the salon professional space. I know it's been a long time. I mean, I say over 20 years, it's really probably getting closer to 30, but 20 sounds <laughs> makes me sound a little bit younger. I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you like, once you hit that four zero mark, it's like, Ooh, Ooh doggy, do we want to go there? But, mm-hmm. right? but it, it has been a journey. You know, my, if, if somebody would have told me, it was hearing you say all that back, it even makes me a little, no. makes me feel great and accomplished. Well, mm-hmm. makes me a little exhausted. Like I need a nap, <laughs> but you know, if somebody would have told me that when I went to beauty school almost 30 years ago, I never would have believed them that those things were possible. Yeah. You know, beauty school, they kind of teach you it's, and, and it's great, but it's about working in a salon, building a clientele, yep. safety and sanitation, you know, all the things that we learn in school as a professional. Um, but I, I really started, uh, and tell you a funny story. We did salon visitation. I mm-hmm. started at a part-time school and I'm a very anxious person by nature. I, I'm very impatient. I want to make things happen. <laughs> so I switched to a full-time school because the two, two and a half years it was going to take, it just seemed so far away at that age, you know, being 18 that I, um, decided to go full-time okay. and I changed schools and we did a salon visitation and we went all over Los Angeles. That's where I, I went to beauty school. And we went to the salon called Christoph Salon in Beverly Hills. Mm. Still there today. Mm-hmm. Huge salon. And at the time, not to get political, it's nothing about that, but it was, he was doing President Clinton's hair. Okay. And Mrs. Clinton, when they were in office <laughs> and that long ago. And he had, I don't know if you remember the story, but he had cut Bill Clinton's hair on Air Force One. And it okay. made a lot of people upset oh. because it stopped airport traffic. And it was like the amount of money for the haircut. <laughs> it was like a whole you know thing on the news. And for some reason at that age, I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really the fact of who was in office. And I was just more like, wow this person is like on air force one cutting a president seriously air. Like I want, you know, that to be me, I guess, or I want to work there. Yep. And so, um, I marched in there 
you know, 19 at the time with my license day one, went up to the front desk and said, hi, um, I want to work here. I just got my license and I'm here to apply for a job. Yes. No appointment. Yes. Just walked in and uh, <laughs> they said, well, Christoph's very busy. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's okay, I'll wait. And I, I sat there. Oh my word. All day. I think it was over eight, nine hours. And Christoph kept coming up and whispering in the receptionist's ear, like what, what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. And I finally just, I, he's still here. I think he saw the short termination. It's like, <laughs> come on back. What do you want? You know, at the end of the day, wow. They said they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two days later they called me and they said, you know what? We have somebody that really needs an assistant. Can you start tomorrow? So that's kind of oh. everything started. And uh, I think it just shows you sometimes like what's the worst they can say, right? right? No, no, you know, but it doesn't hurt to try. Right. Because look, sometimes they say yes. And, uh, and so uh, I assisted for three years. um, And it was definitely tough. I mean, very little money. Mm -hmm. I worked for someone who was incredible, but it wasn't like they were paying me a lot. They were making a lot (laughs) for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, You know, it was a lot of shampooing, sweeping up the hair. uh, But the amount of uh, knowledge I learned during that time was you know, looking back on it, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Yeah, I learned so much from being at that salon in that way. And I ended up going on the floor there, Okay, you know, three years later and building a hugely successful clientele. And I was, you know, back then we would book every 30 minutes. You had to choose, which is very different than today, color or cutting there. Mm, okay. And so I chose color. Mm-hmm. I was really interested in hair color. And uh, I think at the time, part of it was passion and part of it was money driven. I saw colorists seem to be making a lot of money Mm -hmm. in the salon. Um, And they would book us every 30 minutes when you had, if you had clients. So it was very intense. Wow. Yeah, that's fast. And Mm -hmm. I did get to a point where I was booked like about a week to two weeks in advance. But at the time I had never been to a hair show and this is like 10 years in. Mm-hmm. That was my life for about 10 years. Wow. It was great. Making great money at a very young age. Yep. Did several celebrities, you know, and there's definitely that salon was a very celebrity driven salon. So I was in the presence of a lot of really exciting, you know, people always coming in and the friend, like friend, everybody from friends, I remember we get their <laughs> hair done there. Cool. Like it's just that, that, that time of life. Uh-huh. Yep. But I, I got to this point where, believe it or not, I got kind of bored and stagnant. Okay. And... I, I didn't realize what it was at the time, but I, I think I was almost like a robot, yeah. you know, just going through the motions and, uh, you know, grateful because it was success, you know, making good money, but really not feeling the passion anymore like I did in the very beginning. Yep. Okay. So that's quite the story. I love yeah. the, the gusto. <laughs> I mean, it's telling that you've accomplished so many things in your career already, um, just from the first story. (laughs) Um, So when you made the decision to go to beauty school, what were those around you saying? And I'm asking this because we're on a mission to sort of, of course, always hype and amplify the industry, but also to talk about all of the different things you can do in the industry. So did you have naysayers? Did you have people in your corner that were like, yes, go do this? What was your story? So... I dropped out of college okay. <laughs> after like six months mm-hmm. and there was a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm a gay, I'm gay. And at the time I was living in an area, you know, it was California, but an area that wasn't, you know, that supportive of my lifestyle. Okay. And not that my parents were, I think my parents, uh, maybe they didn't understand me then. They definitely do now. They're mm-hmm. incredible, beautiful people that Wonderful. are really supportive. But back then and at that age, I felt like I needed to get out. I didn't want to go to through school again. Yeah. 
uh, and have to, you know, I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't necessarily out yet. Okay. Um, and I just thought going to college, like, oh God, we're going to start this whole process over again. That was really my, yeah. otherwise I think in today's world, maybe I, who knows where I'd be, mm, yeah. but that was the driving force. I think if I'm being honest yeah. um, and I wanted to be an actor, another okay profession that you for sure are going to make it right <laughs> but i was like i'm going to be a star and i, mm -hmm. I went to hollywood i moved to los angeles and started taking acting classes okay. and what i found was that it was incredibly difficult mm -hmm. the competition was wild and you know it was a lot of pressure yeah as you can imagine mm -hmm. and so i had read this article of actress named debbie mazar mm -hmm. and i don't know some people may know her some may not she was actually i think well she's really was known back then she did madonna's makeup and cool. did a lot of like madonna's early videos like awesome. borderline like a virgin like that time yeah i'm really aging myself here that's but. okay i'm tracking with you <laughs> <laughs> totally and so i heard that she got her start as an actress from that okay and that ended up opening doors okay and somehow that resonated with me that article and i thought you know i'm gonna go to beauty school I'm going to learn how to do hair and that's how I'm going to break into acting. Okay. I'm going to do movies and actors and actresses and, and meet, you know, producers and stuff and, and, you know, sort of network myself into that. Okay. But I wasn't expecting to love school and to love doing hair. I really started to fall in love with hair. Awesome. And uh, that's kind of where it went from there. But as far as naysayers, I think my parents were just at first probably the acting thing, I think they were much more concerned about. Okay, sure. When I came to them and said, I'm going to go to school mm -hmm. for hair, it was at least like, they went from like the whole spectrum of like, he's dropping out of college, <laughs> to, he wants to be an actor, to, oh, he's going to go to school and get a license and start a trade. Okay, yes. So I think they were just grateful that I had a plan. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it was more me that I had to talk off the ledge of wanting to quit okay. so many times in school. Mm -hmm. partly because of my impatience, partly because I had all these expectations that I was going to start doing hair and clients in school day one. That's not how it works yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> and so I was probably my own. I had to talk to my inner saboteur, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and talk myself out, off the ledge to get me through school, probably more than listening to anybody else. Got it. So in school, I mean, do you think in those first three years of being an assistant were more valuable to you as far as skills and learning or was it sort of equal? I mean, school taught you some amazing things as well. Well, school, you really, at least when I went to school, you really didn't do very much hair. Yeah. It was roller sets, Perms. great coverage, you know, and that was, <laughs> that was like the last few months, you know, mm -hmm. before you take your license, your test. So I learned, uh, you know, many of the techniques I learned as an assistant, I'm still using today. Okay. You know, maybe I tweak them or reinvent them, but yeah. Everything I learned as far as formulation, balayage, the reason I'm so big into balayage, that's how I taught when I went to the L'Oreal Academy. They're obviously French and mm -hmm. French balayage. And mm -hmm. in my salon, most of the people were French. Christophe was from Belgium, but like they, they were very into hair painting. There was one person in the salon that did foil highlights, if you can imagine. Wow. Like 40 people. Okay. And everybody else did balayage painting, you know, and open air uh, painting. So that's really how I grew up on color. Okay. And I learned that from that experience. Um, and even L'Oreal, working with L'Oreal now, it was a L'Oreal salon. Okay. So a lot of those things you know, were in, ingrained in me and I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for those three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And back then, I mean, that, I mean, certainly the French balayage, right? What L'Oreal is known for, but that was, was that relatively new then and, and not using foils? 
Well, no, foliage is actually uh, somewhat means to paint in French. Right? Yeah. But that, that technique goes way back. Yeah. I would have to look it up to be accurate, but I, I think it's even like the 40s or, you know, okay. around that time period. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but it, it predates, I believe, um, and, and goes quite back. But, you know, it's something that's been in hair color for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So after those three years, what was next? What was year four? <laughs> So year four was going on the floor, super difficult. Um, I did get lucky. I mean, what happened was, which happens in salons a lot for everyone out there, is there was sort of like Christoph had been around for a while and was doing really well, but another salon opened up, Uh, you know, blonde startup. They have John Frieda, Sally Hirschberger, Mm -hmm. you know, this new wave, this new era of salons started happening. And a lot of the colorists started to move okay. from Christoph into these, you know, they kind of leave in packs sometimes. Right. Yeah. Lots like that. Like they, they have alliances. It's very political. And, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the people that I was really close with left. Okay. The, what happened with me is that's when they came to me and said, you know, you, you are ready. And now is the time because we're going to have a lot of clients that want to stay. Some will go, yeah, mm-hmm. but a many will want to stay because they love the salon. Mm-hmm. And so this is a great opportunity for you to build. So I would sit there all day reading magazines, whatever I had to do, where some other colorists or stylists would maybe not show up. If they didn't have clients, they would be out, you know, having lunch, you know, having a good time. And I would really just sit there in my chair. And I think that helped me build really fast because being available and also the reception knew that I did all the receptionist hair. Okay, perfect. That was smart. There's like a determination with me. It's been since yeah, I, was a I think so. Kid and I still have it where I'm just like always thinking about how can I make this work? So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. receptionist. It, to me, it seems like anybody, like it's just common sense, but smart. Everybody sees a receptionist, mm-hmm. make their hair look great, blow dry them every morning, you know, do their color. And then mm. clients are going to be like, I love your color. Oh, Alfredo did it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, it, the first, it wasn't, it took me two years, I would say to build a really substantial clientele, Okay, but maybe a year to where I felt like I could be comfortable. Okay. Got it. So then how many years did you spend at that salon? And then what was next? I mean, we're going to get to your time at matrix and what you're doing today, but give us a snippet of what happened in between. So from assisting to on the floor, mm-hmm. I was at that salon for 11 years. Wow. That's great. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. I stay. I usually stay for most mm-hmm. instances in my career. I find that I'm very loyal. Yeah. It has to be something that it just doesn't fit or yeah. a reason um, for me to not want to, you know, I, like when I decide to have a relationship with someone, whether it's a salon or a brand, like that's a big decision for me. And I, I stick to it. You know, it's a marriage of sorts. That's great. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So after that time, what happened was, is uh, finally, Another salon opened Okay. at the Argyle Salon and Spa is what it was called. And um, a lot of people had went over there. And that time I did move over there. Okay. Um, it was a very boutique salon. It was at the Sunset Tower Hotel cool. in West Hollywood. And it was just such a cool place. And uh, I went there and they had already had their team. I came a little bit later. And uh, I wasn't, I have to say, I wasn't at first welcomed to the salon. Um, they kind of had their click there yeah. and I was coming in and, you know, it can get very competitive in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, even more so now, I think, you know, there's so much competition out there. Um, so I, there was a lot of people in the salon that did not want me to come okay. at first, Okay, but what happened was is a color correction came in that nobody wanted and I, I took it Okay, and, you know, they kept 
coming over and looking at me and like seeing, I think they probably wanted me to fall on my face and have it come out terrible, mm-hmm. but it came out really good. And I, the people who were, it was funny, the, there was kind of one leader, I won't say that, but that was sort of the one, you know, and he came over and said, wow, you just earned my respect right there. And from that day forward, we were friends, you know? All right. So it all worked out, but what that salon, what some people I'm sure many don't know is they started the brand Brazilian blowout, you know, the smoothing treatments. Oh, of course. Wow. Okay. So now we're getting into that era. Mm-hmm. And that was when I, you know, I was still burnout, like I said, and I had never been to a show or anything education. And they were doing these classes at the salon every week and you had to get certified in order to do the service. And so they came to me and said, you know, we think you have a great personality. We think you would be great. We really need educators. We're blowing up. Totally. And all these celebrities are talking about us. And it was in all, you know, like Nicole Kidman. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it was Jennifer Aniston again, you know, the like, but like that whole, you know, so many big celebrities, Nicole Richie, I think was the first one actually who really blew it up. And uh, they said, you know, we'd love for you to come to a class and, you know, get certified. You can start doing the service here, but also, um, you know, we'd like you to think about possibly doing the class yourself. Yeah. Amazing. I didn't want to go. I was, I (laughs) said I wasn't feeling well that morning. And one of my fellow stylists was like, you promised that you're coming. Like you're not sick. You know, I just was so, (laughs) I think honestly, I probably felt like I didn't need it. I'm busy. I, you know, it didn't click with me what was missing, why I was feeling stagnant. Hmm. And it really was education. Wow. You know, interesting. Yeah. And so that class, I was so moved. It was the owner. Her name is Brittany Hinker, uh, a Brazilian and, you know, now still there, but she, uh, what she, the way she presented that class and the educator that she had with her, that they were bouncing back and forth. She was talking about the business and why they started back then. And then the educator was talking about how to do the service and what it had done for their career. And, and I was so moved by just the room, the questions, the energy, the the, mm-hmm. the yearning for education from all these. There was like in this little salon, I think they packed like 200 people in there wow. for these classes sometimes. And it was a, you know, like a boutique type salon. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I want to make people feel how they made this room feel. Yeah, cool. And um, I, I wanted everything. I, I started doing the service. I was all about it. I started making more money from it at the time. That was a lot of people are making a lot of money from that, but um, it started small. I started being the person to do the classes at that salon every Monday. Okay. I would come do the class, make a couple hundred bucks extra, but it was really more about the feeling, teaching, sharing. Mm-hmm. It just like lit a fire in me. Like it was like all of a sudden I was so excited about hair again. And yeah. I started doing hair shows with them. Okay. Um, I started, you know, being a, a platform artist and being at like, there's big shows for those listening that maybe aren't, you know, in that, but like, you know, they have one in Long Beach every year and there's one in New York. It's like ISSE, IBS, there's yep. ABS, which is in Chicago, there's Premier Orlando, like there's these big hair shows that happen throughout the US. Um, and I became like very well known in that circle as like a, a presenter, you know, on yep. for this brand. And they really needed a head of education. Well, what happened was, was the controversy. Yep. We can't talk about something. Yep. Unfortunately, talking about the controversy that happened with it, uh, that came up and, you know, it went from being in all these classes with all these people to like mm. news media were there. And like, I mean, it was, yep. you know, there was a moment and they knew that the way to tackle that was through education, through, you know, teaching people how to properly use the product. Yeah. 
kind of going back to beauty school, right? Like mm-hmm. learning about uh, protecting yourself, protecting your clients, sanitation, you know, all those things. So I kind of said to them, you know, you probably need a head of education. They didn't have one. I said, this is, you know, we need more educators. Okay. And they knew that, you know, we need more. There was, I think, 25 of us or 30. Mm -hmm. Probably need an army of educators that need to start going to every market and making everyone get certified in order to buy the product. Totally. It got out out of control, you know, just completely out of control. Mm -hmm. So that was a good thing, but, you know, for a brand, I guess, to be selling that much, but the education was behind, you know, the growth, I think is what happened. So they gave me a shot and I ended up, um, long story short, running education for that brand for um, almost 10 years. Wow. I'm really moving <laughs> fast now. <laughs> but uh, from there, I ended up helping them launch the brand uh, in you know different countries. I traveled the whole world from them, um, like Hong Kong, Thailand, uh, you know, I'm trying to think everywhere, Brazil, like I was all over um, Australia. I'm trying to think, I went to so many different places for that brand and helped Canada many times, Mexico, you know, launched the brand in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was doing shows in the US plus doing huge shows in other countries. Wow. Uh, really, really incredible um, ride with them. And then uh, yeah. they wanted to create a bond builder. The bond building craze happened. And, um, you know, they wanted to create, you know, we all, Olaplex was obviously the uh, first of that of that movement. And, you know, they said, you know, would you be interested in coming up with something a little different or unique, but, you know, and so I got to work with them on that. They have an amazing chemist and all, all of that, but Very cool. the world, the world had changed, yeah. you know, uh, celebrity was um, still important. It still is today. I still love seeing mm-hmm. Chris Appleton, what he's going to do on Kim Kardashian's hair next and all that. I mean, it's definitely, but you know, the influencer uh, boom happened, Yeah, influencer marketing and, um, I realized that if we wanted this product to be a success, we needed these mm-hmm. influencers. And at the time, I saw them almost as a graffiti artist, sort of, because <laughs> you didn't know what they looked like. It was pictures on Instagram and yeah. just these rainbow, beautiful rainbow hair everywhere. And these just, or blonde, balayage pictures, just these beautiful pictures of models with like just the side of their face showing, but you didn't really know who the person was at first. True. Because influencers weren't really posting pictures of themselves at first. Mm-hmm. Right? It was just their work. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I needed to figure that out. I had no Instagram, believe it or not. I had no social media. I only got Facebook to see my nieces grow up. <laughs> and I was like reluctant. I was very anti, believe it or not. I know uh-huh. social media. Um, but I went to a show. And the first show I went to was to find the chair show. Okay. Oh, I've been to show, all the hair shows. I was doing all the hair shows, but like mm-hmm. that show and still is, was like where the, you know, they have the awards and all the, yep. you know, the, the uh, one shot and all that. And I wanted to understand like what it, what this was, you know, what, cause that seemed to be the Mecca of mm-hmm. that, that movement. And I went and I, I ended up meeting a lot of the faces behind these beautiful pictures and uh, a lot of them started to work with me cool. at Brazilian Law mm-hmm. and, uh, at the shows, I had all my educators for Brazilian Glow. I grew up from like 30 educators. I think there was like 67, 70 educators by the time I left for Brazilian. But then I thought, well, we need these artists too, these new influencers. So for uh, at the shows, I would bring the artists up on stage and everybody was like, you're crazy. Like they, they don't know how to educate. They just know how to post pictures. They're just an influencer. And I was like, I don't believe that. Mm. I think they have something to say. And I think that 
it'll be exciting. Um, so I was definitely probably, I would say one of the first people to bring them on stage at a big show. Wow. And, uh, I will say like a lot of them had never spoke. Like when I, when I did my first show, I remember someone was like, I, they had never been to a hair show either. Yeah. They had never been on stage, but I believe, you know, an artist is an artist, mm-hmm. a hairdresser is a hairdresser. And if they can speaking is, is not something we need to do to our clients every day. Like I think being good right. at speaking and communication is key to success, whether you're behind the chair or, you know, at a trade show. So that sort of started a movement and I ended up growing an influencer team of like, there was about 90 of them. Some would be paid and some would get product okay. in exchange for posting about that product. And that really is when I became well-known and started the journey into social media. Um, Got it. Cause uh, I had just started and I think I maybe had 5,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> That was one of my questions, you know, like now you're an incredible content creator and that's what we have to be on social, right? But I was curious if it was luck or timing or kind of what that was. So thank you for explaining kind of how you got that, how you got there from a social standpoint. It was an accident, honestly. (laughs) I had no intention of, I wanted to build them. Okay. (laughs) I got really close with many of them and I'm still friends with many of them today, work with them. The people that worked with me at that time. This is we're talking like 2014, yeah, maybe right. around that time. But they would all want me to be on their videos. Is what happened. Mm-hmm. They were like, "You should, you do amazing hair. You should collaborate with us." And at the time, they would build each other. A lot of them by doing collaborations. And I see, yeah. But we would set up these meetings where like eight or nine artists would show up, and we'd get a bunch of models and say we'd do their hair for free. Okay. Cool. And we would all jump on models together and create this content. At first it was pictures, but then video came in and we started making videos together. And, um, you know, sometimes it would be like, like a barber, like A-Rod, you know, A-Rod uh, is huge. Like he would be there or Philip Wolf, who I still were like so close. Yeah. Asil. There were so many huge artists back then that we would all get together and create content. And through that process, I was head of education for the brand, but they yeah. worked with like my yeah i don't know i mean i was the same age as them but i felt like they're like my kids or something like my family Mm -hmm. Uh, they would post me and tag me and so all of a sudden the next thing you know i've got yeah 10,000 followers 40,000 followers 50,000 followers um and then brands started asking to work with me got it which was really like an accident but (laughs) at first i didn't really know what to do with it because that wasn't the intention the intention Mm -hmm. You know, then of course it gets fun. Um, it gets exciting to see a video with 300,000 views mm-hmm. or, you know, a million views. Some of it, like, of course that feels good and it's exciting. So I just kind of started rolling with it, I guess. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit more about content, but something you talked about before, you know, engaging with the audience, being able to be a presenter. I mean, now in your career, you were just named the chief engagement officer at a big old brand called Matrix. So tell me about, (laughs) tell me how that came to be, because I'm certainly seeing the connections, the engagement. How did that, yeah. How did that start? So I'll tell you what it means. I know a lot of people are like, what does that mean? (laughs) I honestly didn't know what it meant when they offered it to me, but I do now. So I, I began to work with Matrix actually in 2018. Okay. And when I went to one of their shows, Matrix Destination, mm-hmm. and I know Matrix, like I said, I come from a L'Oreal salon. And when L'Oreal acquired Matrix, yep. um, oh God, it was 
it was like 40 years ago, over 40 years ago, yeah. I believe, or that's when Matrix started, excuse me, they acquired them. Matrix is like 41, 42 years old as a brand when Arnie Miller started it. Yeah. Um, and his wife, Sidel. And so I knew about them then. They were like, even in the 90s when I started, like mm-hmm. they were like their shows. And he was like very famous in the industry as somebody who really lifting hairdressers up. Yep. And, you know, I knew all about the towel waving and, you know, just all of that. I wasn't at any of the events, but I definitely knew of, of him and of them. Sure. And then when Matrix acquired them, I don't remember the exact year, but it was in the 90s at some point we actually started carrying some of their products okay. in our salon and Redken and some of the sister brands, you know, started to be allowed in the, it was only L'Oreal at, at first in that salon. And they started to offer different, you know, different brands under the umbrella. Yep. For sure. And so at that time, you know, I knew about them. And then when I went to destination, that was in 2018 or maybe it was 2017, 2018, um, trying to get my dates correct, but I was so like, I had never, that show that year was just so good. And I loved everything that I saw. And I met so many people there. I met their heads of education at the time. I met the head of the brand globally, the head of the brand in the U S at the time. And, um, you know, I really hit it off with that brand and there was something about it that stayed with me. And I really like dreamed of like, I want to, I would love to be on stage with these incredible artists. Like the artists just blew mm-hmm. away. They've got these incredible artistic directors and they had, you know, their ambassadors coming on that they were just starting. They were going to launch a So Color Cult, which was their fashion color line at the time. And yeah. I was just really, really moved by, by all of it. And so when they approached me, it was kind of a, a no brainer because that, that experience stuck with me. Okay. And by the time, I don't remember what my follower follower account was, but I think it was around 200,000. So I had grown quite a lot and was, yes. you know, and I was starting to get approached by a lot of brands and they asked me to come in. They knew about my corporate background. Okay. Mm-hmm. So even then they sort of said, you know, we'd love for you to consult with us, with our global division on some products. It was actually Biolage at the time, mm. but they were sort of connected more back then. And they said, yeah, I want you to come to New York and meet everyone. And we'd like you to meet, you know, uh, these different individuals. And, and we want to know if like, you'd stay in New York for a few weeks and work with our labs and testing center to consult us on this product. Cool. So that's kind of how it started. And then that turned into an ambassador at first. Okay. So I started as an ambassador with them. Um, and I had joint deals. I worked with the it, people. A lot of people don't understand with some of these large brands, there's the global division, which creates the products that you see, uh, in, you know, your salon centrics or what have you. And, you know, in, in salon, and then there's the countries, obviously the U S yeah. the largest country for most brands. And of course it's no different for matrix. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's really two two sides or whatever you would call it uh, of the brand. And so I was fortunate enough to get to work with both. Okay, cool. And do a lot of shows for matrix in the U S I started doing the trade shows like how I did with Brazilian, but this time it was really great for me because I'm a hair colorist. Mm -hmm. So to finally get to work with a brand that was one of my favorite color brands in the industry was like a dream come true. And that was really the goal. And then the global team started sending me to countries and, you know, photo shoots. And then I started to get to do my first 
like institutional global brand photo shoots. And that was so exciting for me to, you know, huge shoots. I mean, gigantic in the warehouse with the makeup and fashion and wardrobe and professional models. And it's, it's all the campaigns that you see in salon center mm-hmm. or on box that, you know, the professional yeah. photos. And so to get to be a part of those shoots and create a lot of the colors that were being used to launch, you know, innovations and campaigns was super exciting. But I, I feel that they always knew that they wanted to bring me in uh, in a more corporate way. Okay. So in 2018, um, I was approached uh, by Shane Wolf, who's now the president of mm-hmm. L'Oreal Global. And he's been on the podcast. He's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, Shane's awesome. Well, hi, Shane. <laughs> hi, Shane, if you're out there. But um, they did a big uh, show and they were getting ready to come on. And and things were changing. They were restructuring, and Shane was going to come in and lead American Brands at the time. Yep. And I had never met him. I knew of him, and he he actually came and spoke to us at that event. Very cool. And that was global destination. Okay. So I got my came true. I got to do U.S. destination, uh, be on stage with all the artists that I looked up to, and I got to do the global one with these artists. So I got to do two of them. Um, before COVID and Shane told us his story that he was a hairdresser. I'm sure if you talked to him, you know, and mm-hmm. that he started, you know, as a educator in the back of his car, like that's so me, like I was the one with the cardboard table or whatever, <laughs> showing up at the salon and setting up my little, you know, mini booth to teach to like <laughs> 15 people or 10 people. And so yeah. after they had me MC that show and do hair, so I got to speak and I think it was really good for me because they were able to see me present, Yeah, you know, rather than, I also did the opening and I mean, they even had me dance with dancers in the beginning. It was a whole, that, that's a whole other podcast, but <laughs> it was, it was, it was a big show. And, and I, you know, I did it and afterwards, uh, I think he said, you made me laugh and you made me cry. And that's a gifted, that's oh. somebody, anybody that can do that, you know, on stage has me hooked. And so, um, they reached out to me a few months later and the GM was going to be changing that happens yeah. at L'Oreal every so often to keep the, keep everything fresh and new. Yep. And they said, you know, we want to know if you would come in and lead education. Um, but there's one catch. You have to move from California to New York. Mm-hmm. This is a New York job and you can't do it remote. And, uh, you know, are you, are you in? And I, I said, absolutely. Yes. You know, and they told me that they were going to be reinventing the brand and new packaging. Yeah. Now, mind you, this is, just to put 2019 still, you know, like end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to do all hair types, all humans. We want to embrace texture. Um, we really want to celebrate, uh, you know, the versatility of the brand and, you know, just bring more brand awareness to, you know, educating on, you know, different hair types, whether it's, you know, everything from straight hair to, to curly hair and everything in between. We really want to celebrate that. Yeah. And that sounded really exciting to me. So I said, yes, and I did it. And I moved everything to, uh, to New York Ooh. and I moved like a few weeks before COVID. Ooh, <laughs> yikes. My first day in the office, I'll never forget it. We had a, you know, coffee, they called it coffee time at the time. And it was like, they would, well, I'm sure it wasn't just me, but that day in particular was my first day. So it was like, mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's meet, you know, uh, <laughs> our new, our new, you know, VP head of education, whatever, like starting today. And, uh, 
you know, I got my computer, signed some papers, and then it was like, we have an announcement, we are closing and everybody needs to go home. You'll get instructions. <laughs> well, I was, uh... but, um, <laughs> you know, so that was interesting, but you know what? Hats off to everybody uh, at L'Oreal, Shane included, because we figured it out. Yeah. We learned new ways to communicate uh, like we are now through video and mm-hmm. uh, to keep education moving. And, you know, we, we continued with the brand relaunch and I don't know how we did it, but when once it was, oh, you know, once we were allowed to, we started doing shoots in very limited conditions. We would only be able to have like, instead of having 20 people on set, we could have like three people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we figured it out, you know, and it was an honor to be a part of that and to go through that with the team. And I'm definitely really proud of the brand and everybody I got to work with of the relaunch that happened and where the brand is now through education. But how Chief Engagement Officer came up is they did another restructure. <laughs> <laughs> and there you were. Because, <laughs> you know, I think what they found and what I found is the industry changed so much during the totally last two, three years, and it's still changing. Yeah. And the way that we ingest education and the way it needs to be structured is so it's, it just keeps changing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to go and be on stage as much and talk publicly and go to our countries and, you know, do kind of a hybrid of what I did before speaking on stage. I was on meetings all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, behind the scenes a lot because it takes a lot. So, yeah. so they changed things up and they changed a lot. Everyone's role, actually. My, my role as it exists in other brands changed as well for everyone. And they said, you know, we would really like to offer you this chief engagement officer position. And and what it is, is it's really a global brand spokesperson. Oh, wow. That's probably easier, I think. All right. Yeah. So, you know, I I speak on behalf of the brand a lot. And I think that part of my job is to carry the message, interact with our countries, uh, Mm. build our community. Um, You know, it's been incredible to be in person again. I've been to the UK this year, um, Italy. I just got back from Sweden doing a big show called M Life Mm. that's named after a, a series that I created during my time as head of education, where I would interview artists and uh, talk about innovations and like them working on all hair types um, with some of our biggest artists. So uh, it's been so great to get to be in person again and represent the brand like that in that way. And, you know, with their clients and customers and also artists from around the world, because Matrix is a huge global brand um, and our U.S. partners too. So so that's really, you know, I still work with them and, you know, consult and, and talk to them, you know, about things like that, but I'm not in the office all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been great because it frees me up. I just uh, wrapped up my own tour. So it frees me up to do a lot of other things as well. Mm-hmm. Besides working with that, I just did my own tour with a Philip Wolf, uh, Balayage and Shag tour. Oh, neat. We did six cities and almost every single one of them sold out. Incredible. Um, so I just really, this year has been just fantastic. You know, you don't know. I, I sometimes love change and sometimes don't like change. So you never know, but it's been, it's really been a blessing because it's allowed me to do so much this year that I probably wouldn't have been able to do, you know, getting to connect with so many hairstylists. And I, I just did a huge show with Bellamy, you know, Bellamy Hair Pro. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I did a showcase in Vegas. It was like 2000 hairdressers there in the Palms. Unreal. Wow. It's the biggest I've been to, you know, that I've presented in since uh, COVID. Yeah. And um, I, I see the industry coming alive again in a big way. I think Ugh, people are thank really you. hungry for education mm-hmm. and it's so important. And I say it all the time, like education is what saved my career, saved my life. I mean, it sounded like I was 
doing so well, but I don't know that I would still be here if it wasn't for education. I definitely wouldn't have done all this, you know, right. um, b- being able to touch hairstylists is, is it's a privilege that I don't take lightly. Um, so, and I, and I think this, you know, this chief engagement officer, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's definitely uh, giving me the platform and allowing me uh, to do what I love most, which is, right. I think you said it in my bio thing, but you know, it's like, uh, what is it? Like just embrace the industry through community. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that, you know, behind a closed door. You've got to be out there. Yeah. Front. What a unique full circle story. I mean, yeah. your boldness of sitting in the lobby and your determination, your determination to to start your community to engage, right? And now you're on a literal world stage doing just that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Pretty incredible. I love what I do. And um, yeah, I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah. It sounds such, such a storied career. So kudos and congratulations to you. you. And, and proof that we really can move through different seasons and times of a career, right? It's that you, you weren't always going to be assisting or be behind the chair. You've moved and melded into so many different roles within the industry. And, you know, I think it's something important for people to know that there's so I, people don't know going into beauty school. The opportunity yeah. are endless. Yeah, they are endless. You don't have to do what I did. Mm-hmm. You, there's so many things that you can be. You can be a salon owner. You can be book solid like I was in the salon. You can start your own product line. Mm-hmm. You can work with brand. You can be an executive. I didn't go to college. I went to beauty school, and I, you know, ended up being in one of the highest roles that you can be in in a right. professional hair care brand. You know, <laughs> education for the whole world. That's unreal. But if I can do it, anyone can do it. You know, it's, you have to, um, you know, I don't know. I say, say yes to everything at first mm-hmm. because if you don't, somebody else will. Somebody just asked me this in a class the other day. And I think you had it on there. It's like, what would you advice would you have for somebody that's new in the industry? Right. Um, you know, uh, and the, the other is education. Like I said, education saved my life. And invest, if there's one thing you invest in, invest in your education, no matter once you think, you know, everything, it's over. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, there's so much I have to learn after all these years. I do not know it all. I, I want to know more techniques. I want to know more about, you know, business, uh, you know, just because you see us on social media doesn't mean we have it all figured out. Nobody has it all figured out. And last is you have to believe in yourself yeah. because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to believe in you, you know? So manifestation, I believe is, is real. And if, if you can see something and really believe it in your heart and then also do the work, you know, that goes with that. Anything is possible. I love that. Ooh, yeah. that is a good note to end on before yeah. we move into our tease quick takes, which we're going to get to know your silly side, Alfredo. Oh, no. Okay. I'm okay. definitely silly. <laughs> All right. So I think you have it in yet. <laughs> okay. If you were on a deserted Island and could only bring three beauty products with you, what are you bringing? Ah, this is going to be so <laughs> real, so honest. So I would bring my dark brown hair fibers Oh, because I have really fine, thin hair. And like, okay. this is all smoke and mirrors. So I like it though. I, I need, <laughs> I, I need to, to put all that fake root in there to make my hair look thicker. Okay. So that's one. Number two would be hairspray, Lavoom triple freeze hairspray. And I'm not okay. just saying that because it's matrix. It really is amazing. I need it. 
And the other would be moisturizer because mm-hmm. I mean, the sun, I think that goes without saying <laughs> yeah, with SPF, with SPF, of course. Yes. All right. I like it. And I like the hair fibers. I'm not opposed to filling in Oof. my part line and just Somebody taught me that in the show circuit and mm-hmm. I've never left it. Mm-hmm. We all want <laughs> thick hair. <laughs> um, okay. What was the first ever product that you owned beauty hair products? Like, do you recall from the get go what it was? <laughs> the first thing I remember is sun in. Yes. God bless. Sun in. <laughs> terrible. Bless for sure. What a terrible. <laughs> I had orange hair. But yeah, being a kid, I remember sneaking out and buying sun mm-hmm. in because I wanted to, I don't know who I wanted to be, but Old like, Callie. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. spraying it in my hair and going out the sun. <laughs> I'm being like, what? You look terrible. Like, what mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. But they've done that. Um, you you mentioned that you believe that you can manifest, right? So the next question is, are you superstitious? And if so, about what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, people are going to think I'm crazy. Again, but I'm really superstitious. Like, okay. my husband makes fun of me for being so superstitious. Like, uh, like I won't let us split poles. I don't know if you know that one, but like, if there's a pole, like we have to walk on the same set. Okay. I'm really, I never tell anybody these things. Great. Now that's in my head. Okay. Um, 11, 11. I definitely believe in the power okay. of that time. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. it really just means oneness and you're not alone, but like, I definitely, if I see it, <gasps> I, I make a wish or something. Okay. Um, Got it. Got it. Yeah. I don't cheers with water. Mm. Um, that's bad okay. luck. So yeah. Ooh. I'm superstitious. <laughs> Great. I've now added three to my list. Thank you very much. (laughs) Okay. Who would play a biopic of your life? I mean, who would or who would I want? Because those are two very different things. Mm, Okay. Who would you want? Who would you want? (laughs) Um, um, Oh, God. I don't know. Who would play me in a biopic? God. Mm -hmm. That's a a tough question. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I would want it to be some like me younger. Let's say me younger. Okay. Pick somebody young. Okay. How about Ryan Gosling? But like, yes, way hotter than me. But like, just because. No, don't don't do that to yourself. I love Ryan Gosling. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Gosling is like, yeah, that's Fine. my that's He's my, that my dream. I love Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And who doesn't? Who if you're doesn't? Out there, Ryan, call me. <laughs> <laughs> the last question is: What do you consider the ultimate comfort food? Oh, the, that, that's easy. Mexican food. I love tacos, okay. tacos, tacos, tacos. Right. Um, yeah. Anything. My husband's a <laughs> chef and. Oh, yeah. well, that worked out well. He makes just amazing <laughs> food. It can be anything, but he makes amazing Mexican food. He's <laughs> from Veracruz, Mexico, and he oh. is. Yeah, it's amazing. So definitely Mexican food. All right. I like that you have your built in comfort food chef. Yeah. Just right there. Yeah. That's that worked out well. Okay. And last but not least, where can everyone, I mean, everyone is basically following you on social right now, (laughs) but where can we find you? What is your handle? Instagram, TikTok. Let's share it. So it's the same. Yeah. I'm really getting into TikTok. I'm growing there really fast. It's been super fun to figure that out. It's like a new, new thing, but I'm on there a lot. It's um, Alfredo, A-L-F-R-E-D-O underscore Lewis, L-E-W-I-S. I'm the same on Instagram. Okay. Um, I'm Alfredo Lewis hair on uh, Facebook and the same on uh, YouTube. You do. All right. Got it. Yeah. So I feel like you might have a busy day the rest of the day. So we're going to, we're going to end it right there. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing talking with with you and um, yeah, I can't wait to. So great. See what happens next. Yes. What happens next? We're going to manifest it. We're going to be superstitious about it. 
We're going to do all of the things. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Our listeners are going to be thrilled hearing from you. And thank you very much for joining us here at Volume Up. Thank you so much for having me. All right. How amazing is Alfredo? I mean, from training at the L'Oreal Academy in New York, advancing his techniques, building a social media presence that's nearing a million. I mean, come on. That's insane. Insane. And really traveling the globe to educate us on all of his techniques. So what'd you think? I mean... A big fan. Let's just be real. Um, <laughs> I always love the combos that you get to have um, and wish that I could have them only as an observer. Because okay. I can't top what you guys just did. Um, <laughs> but it's like that thing of like, oh, I wish I did that too. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. Basically. And good quick takes, right? Mm-hmm. Do you like the new quick takes? I'm into it. Um, All right. Shout out to the production team. Mm-hmm. Our producers are really hustling to make those quick takes even more relevant for season two let us know what you guys think season two yes and i'm gonna think to myself i don't know what my products are that i'm taking on a deserted island i've been mulling it over every time i interview what i mean it's so much easier to ask than it is to actually (laughs) answer um i couldn't do it at the moment so there's that all right i won't do it i you You won't do it what -hmm. you will do and what we ask you to do is be sure to hit subscribe Rate, review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and sending questions to volume up at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.